you have your Bibles with you this morning, would you open them please to Psalm 119? Sunday morning, we're in a sermon series entitled, Getting in Shape for the Summer. All of us, as the summer approaches, want to look good. We want to feel good. And many of you have already started physically preparing for that. Others of you will start tomorrow, I'm sure. Well, just as we want to look good and feel good physically, I believe we should want to look good and feel good spiritually. And so I'm going to be talking with you, and I've already been talking with you, about some exercises that you and I can do to get in shape spiritually for the summer. Now, we've already been to the exercise machine of discipline, and some of you didn't like that one. And then we went to the exercise machine of worship. And some of you got a little poochy-lipped on that one. Well, today we're going to go to the exercise machine of the Bible, the Word of God. And I hope all of you will be grinning from ear to ear when you leave here this morning from this one. Psalm 119. If there's one chapter in the entire Bible that talks about the Bible, it's Psalm 119. And we're just going to read together the first two verses. Blessed are the undefiled in the way who walk in the law. The law speaks of the Scriptures. Who walks in the Scriptures, in the truth of the Lord. Blessed are they that keep His testimonies. Once again, another word for Scripture. Blessed are they that keep His testimonies, His Scriptures, the Word of God, and that seek Him with the whole heart. The Bible is not the book of the month. It's the book of the ages. From Genesis to Revelation, to all points in between, the Bible is the Word of God. Listen to me. It does not contain the Word of God. It is the Word of God. Over 3,800 times, the Bible declares of itself to be the Word of God. To be the inspired, infallible, inerrant Word of God. And to make sure that there is no doubting or denying no skepticism or scoffing. No opinionating or guessing. The Bible declares without stutter or stammer in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16, all Scripture is given by inspiration of God. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God. Now let's break that down for just a moment. Y'all are a smart group, so it shouldn't take long. All. All means all. Not some, not most, not a majority, not a high percentage. All means all, 100%. Scripture is everything that's in your Bible. 
Scripture is all the verses of all the chapters of all the books that makes up the Bible that is in your hand. And by the way, if you will bring your Bible to every worship service, not only will you be a good testimony, but you'll get 50% more out of everything I say because you can follow me with your eyes as you're listening to me speak. But all means all. And Scripture is everything that is found in the Bible, every verse of every chapter of every book. All Scripture is. Now, it, it doesn't say was. He's not talking about past tense. It's, he's not saying will be. He's not talking about future tense. What he's saying is, the Bible, all the Bible, all the Scriptures in the Bible are present. In other words, they're current, they're fresh, and they're relevant, and they're the Word of God for today. Not the Word of God for yesterday, not the Word of God for tomorrow, although they were, they're the Word of God for today. And then notice the inspiration of God. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God. Inspiration of God literally translates the breath of God. You know the Bible that you have in your hand, the words that make up the verses, that make up the chapters, that make up the books. Do you know that God breathed those words? He breathed those words. They came from His lungs, out of His mouth, unto us. They literally came from God's own breath as He breathed into the Bible using holy men to record His thoughts into words that we might have His truth. Now, I'm well aware of the fact that we have had men, some of them teach in seminaries, some of them, sadly to say, stand in pulpits of churches. Most of them wouldn't set foot in either. They're called infidels. And I know that there's many infidels who spend their entire lives laughing at the Bible, mocking the Bible, ignoring the Bible, burying the Bible, burning the Bible, outlawing the Bible, and cursing the Bible, and trying to destroy the Bible. Notice I said trying to destroy the Bible. You cannot destroy the Bible. Heaven and earth will pass away, but the Word of God shall remain forever. Infidels, try as they might. They live, they die, and they go to hell. And the Bible is still here. And shall always still be here. You cannot get rid of the Word of God. The Bible that you have in your hands is saving news to the sinner. Faith cometh by hearing. Hearing by what? The Word of God. If you're a sinner looking for salvation... The Bible can tell you how to get there. It's also satisfying to the saint. The psalmist said, I delight in the word of the Lord. I am happy when I can read the word of the Lord. I'm satisfied when I can read the word of God. It's saving to the sinner. It's satisfying to the saint. It's sufficient to the sufferer. I want you to think about the most difficult thing you've ever faced. 
The most difficult thing you've ever faced is not the most difficult thing you will ever face. The most difficult thing you and I will ever face is called death. But you know what David said about death? Was he afraid of it? He said, no. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Ladies and gentlemen, the Bible, the Word of God, it, 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 it's sufficient to meet every challenge that we'll ever face in this life, whether we're starting out or whether we're coming to a close. The Bible is also stimulating to a scholar. Paul says, oh, the depths of the riches of the wisdom and knowledge of God that's found in the Scriptures. You know, the amazing thing about the Bible is, if you're simple, you can wade out into the waters of the Bible and not drown. And if you're a scholar, you can go out into the deep waters of the Bible and you'll never touch bottom. The Bible is for everyone. No matter what your IQ is, no matter what grade you completed in education, the Bible will meet you where you're at and speak to your mind and to your heart. Folks, get it down big, get it down plain, get it down straight. The Bible is the old time book. It's historical. It's the new time book. It's relevant. It's the all time book. It's without comparison. No other book compares to the Bible. It's the every time book. It meets every situation and circumstance we'll ever face in this life. And it's the end time book. It tells us where we're going. It tells us how it's going to end. And listen to me. We've won. I've already read it. The Bible will testify to you who Jesus is. You know, Jesus said, search the scriptures and you'll know who I am. And Jesus will testify of what the Bible is. He said, not a jot, not a tittle will fail from the Scripture until all is fulfilled. You've heard me say many times, Jesus is the living word. The Bible is the written word. Jesus is the living word of God. And the Bible is the written word of God. And they go together. Just like bacon and eggs go together. They go together. They're the flip side of the same coin. You cannot say, I love Jesus and I will follow Jesus, but I don't love the Bible and I don't believe in it. It's theologically impossible. Okay? It's theologically impossible to say, I love Jesus, but I don't love the Bible. Or I love the Bible, but I don't love Jesus. I want you to think about that and you remember that. Because we've got people today who claim to love the Lord and yet they deny the Word. It's a contradiction that is not theologically compatible or acceptable. If you love Jesus, help me out, if you love Jesus, you'll love the what? If you love the Bible, you'll love who? So having said all of that, what we're going to do now in 19, at some ways that you and I can better approach the Bible and apprehend some of the things that it would teach to us. If there was ever a day when we need to be biblically literate, it's 
We have more Bibles today than we've ever had in any time in the history of the world. And we have more Christians who don't know what they believe or why they believe it than any time of the world. And you listen to this pastor. I'm telling you, deception is coming across this world. And deception is coming into the church. Jesus said in the last days, wolves in sheep's clothing will invade the church. And they'll stand in pulpits and they will preach things that are not true to people who have no clue what they're saying is not right. Because those people will not check the so-called man of God by the word of God. I hope that you love me and respect me and trust me, but listen, bring your Bible and check me out. And if I say something that is a discrepant toward this book, the book isn't wrong, I am. The Bible is absolute truth. And you need to know what it says, not what somebody tells you it says. You need to know what it says because you yourself have spent time reading it and studying it. I'm greatly concerned that many of you sitting in this Bible-believing church do not know the Bible. And you could be easily led away. And I don't want that to occur. I want you to be a Bible-believing, Bible-reading, Bible-studying people. And it will fare you well for the final days of history as deception is coming as never before. All right, what do we need to do now? According to Psalm 119, and you can rest assured I'm not preaching the whole chapter, okay? I know some of you out there sweating bullets. Is he going to do a verse-by-verse verse of Psalm 119? Well, if I did, we'd be here to next Sunday. And I don't want to be here to next Sunday, and I don't believe you do. Correct? Okay, I, I mean, I could. Do you want to be here? <laughs> I didn't think so. All right. First thing we need to do if we're going to understand the Bible, to read it, to understand it, to apply it, is we need to pray over it. Now, I want you to notice Psalm 119, and I want you to notice verse 12. Blessed are you, O Lord. Teach me thy statutes. Teach me thy word. Teach me thy scriptures. That's an interesting verse, isn't it? Blessed are you, O Lord. Lord, would you, now follow this, Lord, would you teach me your very word? Now, before we go to our Bibles to read, we should do one other thing. We should go to the Lord and pray. The Bible came from the Lord. Therefore, He knows the Bible. <laughs> and if we want to understand the Bible, to understand what He's given us, why should we not go straight to the source and ask the one who gave it to us to help us to understand it and to interpret it correctly. Now this church we call Miles Road has got some fine pulpiteers. We've got a number of ministers in this church that I could stand behind this pulpit and 
None of them will miss a beat when it comes to preaching. And I thank God for those men. Some are on staff, some are retired, others are in training, others are looking for a church perhaps, but God in His providence has brought them all here, and I hope you appreciate them. We've got some marvelously talented men who can preach the Word of God from this pulpit. We also have some marvelously talented Sunday school teachers. And if you're not in Sunday school, shame on you. Because we've got some men and women who spend a lot of time studying their Bible that they might be able to pull truths out and teach you those truths on Sunday morning. Or Tuesday morning. You know we have a, a Sunday school on Tuesday? <laughs> you say, Pastor, that don't make no sense. Well, it, that's, it, that's okay. It doesn't have to make sense. But Chuck Hortman's class is an amazing class. And it's a Sunday school on Tuesday morning. And they, they teach the Word of God. And then we have talented small group leaders and discipleship class teachers. I think our ladies have over 20 small groups, making up 7 to 10 ladies. And ladies, if you're not in a small group, I don't know why you're not. There's one for every day of the week, every time of every day of the week. There's something for you. But our small group leaders are exceptional teachers. Our discipleship teachers are exceptional teachers. We have other exceptional people that we can call on from time to time to teach on certain subjects of the Bible. My point is, listen to me, we've got some of the finest men and women teachers of the Bible anywhere in this country. But I'm telling you something. Listen to your pastor. If every one of them quit today, turned in their resignation and said, we're not teaching no more, I wouldn't be worried about it. He might be worried about it, but I wouldn't. You know why? Because the very one who teaches these ministers, these Sunday school teachers, these discipleship class teachers, these small group teachers, who's the one that teaches them? The Spirit of God. And if they said we can't do it no more, that would be sad. But you know something? we just have to bypass and go straight to the top, wouldn't we? And ask the Spirit of God to be the one then who would become the teacher of the students. Because He's the one who taught the teachers that they could teach the students. Are you following me? You don't learn the Word of God apart from the Spirit of God. And the Spirit of God does not teach the Word of God to those who don't ask Him to help them. You pray. You pray. Lord, I'm about to go to your word. Would you give me a special unction from your spirit that I can understand what I'm about to read? That I might understand it correctly. I might understand it rightly. I might understand it in such a way that I can else. And Lord, help me to know how to take your word and apply it to my life. That I'll be changed. Verse 18, the psalmist says of one night, on Psalm 119, verse 18, notice the psalmist says, Open thou my eyes. It's like he couldn't see until his eyes were open, that I may withhold or behold the wondrous things out of thy law. God's Spirit teaches us God's Word. So before we go to God's Word, we need to go to God and ask His Spirit to come 
and illuminate us, help us to understand. Three words I hope you'll never forget. Revelation. Illumination. Revelation is God's truth. Inspiration is God bringing His truth to man. Illumination is God taking His truth that He has given to man and allowing us to understand it. And that whole process is guided by the very Spirit of God. Okay? So if you're saying, Pastor, I read the Bible, but I don't understand the word I'm reading. Well, you've got to change the way you're approaching it by doing what first? Pray. It only stands to reason if you had a car that somebody made and it broke down, that if you wanted to understand how to fix it, you would go to who? Go to the man who built it. Well, the Bible was, comes from God. We go to God asking for His understanding that we might be able to comprehend. Now, the second thing we do, if we want to make the Bible come alive in our life, we have to pray over it. But then secondly, we have to ponder over it. Look at verse 23. It says in the last part of verse 23, Thy servant did what? Meditate upon thy statutes, or in thy statutes. Now remember, statutes is just another word for the Scriptures, the Word of God. Meditate means to think over. I call it to ponder. That's an old-fashioned word. Don't hear it much anymore. Ponder means to meditate, means to think over. It means to regurgitate. You know what that means? It means to, to chew the cud a little bit and then swallow it and then bring it back up and chew on it again and swallow it. That's not appetizing, is it? That's what it means. It means to, to constantly be chewing, to be thinking, to be meditating over something over and over and over again that you might get all that it means out of it. I heard a story about the monkey at the zoo. How many of y'all ever been to the zoo? Well, there was a monkey there in his little section, this look on his face. You know, normally monkeys are happy. But this monkey, he, he, was a, he just had a serious look on his face. And his eyes were fixed. His eyes weren't looking around. He, he, he just had a serious look on his face. And he was looking straight ahead. And he, he was quiet. He wasn't making any noise. He was still. He wasn't moving around. And uh, he was rubbing his chin. You got the picture. Serious look on his face. Eyes straight ahead. He's rubbing his chin. He's thinking. He's meditating. He's contemplating. He's pondering. He's chewing the cud a little bit. Now I wonder what that monkey's thinking about. I bet he was thinking about how to scratch his back. <laughs> you know, sometimes we can be thinking about things that are stupid. But God wants us to think about the Scriptures, the Word of God. He wants us to meditate on the Word of God. Not just to read it, but to try to come to some understanding of it. Some comprehension of it. 
Now, if you want to read your Bible, let me give you some points that might be helpful. Number one, pick a book in the Bible. The Bible has 66 books. You do not, please listen to me, you do not have to start at Genesis. Most people who want to read the Bible, they immediately go to Genesis, and after a few chapters of Genesis, they're ready to pull their hair out by the roots, they get lost in it, and they just give up. You do not have to start in Genesis to read the Bible. In fact, I never suggest people start there. Pick a book in the Bible that talks about the Lord Jesus, maybe. One of the Gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John. Pick one of those. Or go to one of the epistles in the New Testament. Philippians is always a good place to go. In fact, that's why I recommend most people start reading. Philippians, it's a book of joy. But find a book in the Bible that has some interest to you. And start at that book. And when you find the book that you want to read, do a little research on the book. Try to find out who wrote the book. What was the circumstances going on when the book was written? What is the book about? Do a little history. Just ground about the book that you've chosen. Okay, so we need to ponder the Bible, but we can't ponder it unless we read it. So if we're going to read it, we have to pick a book Bible we want to read that is of interest to us. We do the research on the book. I'm not talking about spending 16 hours of doing it. You can do it in 30 minutes. Just get some research. The book was written by so-and-so. It was written here. It was written about this. Here's some of the history that goes behind it. Get a little background. And then when you read the book, listen to me, you start from the front and you read it to the back. You just don't jump around from verse to verse because you can get reading from the front and you read it all the way to the end. Because many of the books in the Bible are letters. Epistles is just a fancy word for letters. Some of you thought an epistle was the apostles' wives. No, <laughs> epistles are letters. They're letters. And when you read a letter, you start from the front, go to the back. And then you ask questions as you read. As you're reading, you're not just reading so you can check it off your little list for the day. You read until you reach a point where you can stop. And then you ask yourself some questions. Is there a promise to claim in what I just read? Is there a lesson to learn? Is there a blessing to enjoy? Is there a command to obey? Is there a sin to avoid? Is there a new truth to grasp? You, 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 you ask yourself questions. Because the book, the Bible's not just about what's going on when it was written, but it's about what's going on right now. Remember, is? It, what, what's going, what is it saying to me? Many of us just read the Bible as a history book. It's not a history book. It's a current, relevant book. It's like a newspaper. It's speaking to us right here, right now, where we're at. And then we tell others what we've read. Go tell somebody what you've read. It's exciting to see some of you come out of Sunday school and I, as after this 8.30 service is over, 
you can listen to the people coming out of the first Sunday school and they're talking to one another. They're, ta they're talking about the lesson that they got. You know, that's what we need to do. We need to talk to each other about what we're reading. Share with what you find out. Thirdly, now we're trying to work ourselves through the Bible. First of all, we have to pray. Invite the Holy Spirit into what we're about to read and study that we will understand it and can make application. And then we have to ponder it. We think about what we've read. We read it over and over and over again. We regurgitate it. We kick it around in our mind. And we ask questions that would make it personal to us. And then thirdly, we practice the Bible. In verse 167, the psalmist says, My soul has kept thy testimony. My soul has obeyed thy word, and I love them exceedingly. 168, he says, I have kept thy precepts and thy testimonies, for all my ways are before you. What the psalmist is saying is, I not only read the Bible, studied the Bible, I not only thought about it, Shared it. I lived it. I lived it. You see, we've got a generation of people who lip the Bible, but they don't live it. They quote the Bible, but they don't live it. They talk the Bible, but they don't live it. If you read it, but don't obey it, goes back to what we talked about last week that goes on all the time. What version of the Bible do you have? Well, I got the best version, Pastor. There's no other version but mine. The rest of them are wrong. Oh, really? Which one do you got? I've got the King James Version. No, I've got the NIV, the New International Version. No, I've got the RSV, the Revised Standard Version. No, I'm an American. I've got the New American Standard Version. I, I, Pastor, I've got, you can't go back any further than my Bible. I've got the old world translation. And, and, you know, people argue all the time. Pastors argue. Deacons argue. Church leaders argue. God's people argue over which Bible is the best. Which Bible is the most truthful. Which Bible came from God Himself. Let me tell you what my favorite Bible is. It's the N-I-K-E Bible. The Nike Bible. Nike says, just do it. And listen, I don't care what version of the Bible you have here today. It doesn't matter to me. I'm sorry, it doesn't. Take the Bible that you got in your hand that you say is the most efficient Bible there is. The most excellent Bible there is. Take that very Bible. Read it. Study it. Share it. And obey it, and you'll be happy, I'll be happy, and God will be happy. It doesn't matter what version you have if you're not going to live it, does it? Some of the meanest people I know are the most fermented about the Bible that you have. 
I guess they haven't read in that Bible that they declared to be the one who's best. How to be nice to people. <laughs> Practice the Bible. When you read something in that Bible, you make that application and you put it into your life. And then lastly, proclaim the Bible. Psalm 119, verse 13. Psalmist says, With my lips I have declared all the judgments of thy mouth. Verse 27. Make me to understand the way of thy precepts. So I shall talk. I shall tell others of thy wondrous works. There's a song that says, go tell it on the mountain. And folks, what we know we need to go tell on the mountain. We need to tell others, as I've already made allusion to earlier, we need to tell others what we learn in the Bible. We need to do it for two reasons. Number one, when we tell them, we're educating them. Number two, Maybe more importantly, as we tell others about the Word of God, we get more of the Word of God. The more you give away of the truth you know about God's Word, the more truth God will give to you from His Word. Okay? So the more you give it away, the more God's going to give to you. Have you ever heard of Leonard Polari? Anybody? You ever heard of Dan Kearney? Scotty Lawrence. I know you've heard of Scotty Lawrence. Some of y'all looking like the monkey. Y'all pondering. Dick Lane. You ever heard of Dick Lane? How about Alice Parsons? Alice Parsons. I know you've heard of Alice Parsons. How about Cecil Carnes? I know you've heard of Cecil Carnes. Y'all don't read much, do you? Who are those folks? Who's hundreds of other folks just like them? They were people that were considered human trash. Good for nothing but sticking in the ground one day. But somebody came and told them about Jesus. And those men and women that were human trash, fit for burial, became treasures of Jesus Christ. Because somebody took what they read in the Bible and shared it with somebody considered garbage, and God took that piece of garbage as we would see it, and turned it into a treasure of His. And every one of these will be in heaven one day. Because somebody took the time to tell them what they read from the book about how to be saved. Do you understand in closing the Bible is a hymn book? H-I-M book. The Bible has 66 books. And in every one of those 66 books, Jesus Christ is either standing in the light and you can see Him clearly, or He's standing in the shadows and you have to look a little bit, but He's there. 
every book in the Bible, Jesus is the hero. In Exodus, Jesus is there. He's the Passover lamb. In Leviticus, Jesus is there. He's the scapegoat. In Numbers, Jesus is there. He's the serpent on the brazen pole. In Joshua, Jesus is there. He's the prophet, the priest, and the king. In Isaiah, Jesus is there. He's the wonderful. He's the counselor. He's almighty God. In Luke, Jesus is there. He's the son of man. In John, Jesus is there. He's the son of God. In Acts, he's the power of the church. In Romans, he's the dynamite of the gospel. In Hebrews, he's superior to all. And Peter, he's the rock of salvation. And Revelation, he's the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And that's just part of the Bible books. I could give you every one of them. He's in every book. And as we discover him in our reading, we share him. Pray over the Bible. Ponder over what you read. Practice what you read. Put it into your life. Live it. And then proclaim it. Go tell somebody, I found a nugget of gold truth as I was going through the mind of the Scriptures. When you do that, your life will change. And a spiritually flabby man or woman will begin to take on steel. God help us work this piece of exercise equipment. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed.